You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Reds fans? My name is Jeff Carr, and you are Locked On Reds. What is going on, Reds fans, and welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. Happy Monday. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to today's show. On today's show, I'm going to recap the action for the weekend of the Reds, even including Friday, as I wasn't able to get to that game. And then we'll take a look at the upcoming week, and I also want to present a thought about David Bell. But before we get to that, Make sure that you are subscribed on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and the Himalaya podcasting app. That is the easiest way to get the podcast each and every day by automatic download right straight into your podcasting queue. Also, check out Twitter at LockedOnReds and at JeffCar with three Fs. And head on over to LockedOnReds.com. We got all kind of great content up there. Clay Snowden with a look at the catching situation for the Reds organization and some other good articles up there as well. Also, a shout out to today's sponsor, Hotels.com. Check them out for great hotel deals on your next vacation. Let's take a look at the weekend here. So the Reds end the homestand. They... they go one and two against the Dodgers, losing on Sunday. Kind of a tough game to watch a little bit there for us Reds fans. And then as a whole, finishing the homestand three and three. They won the three-game series against the Cubs, which I I think is still the sign that you look at that things moving forward are on the up and up for the Reds. They end up winning the Saturday game against the Dodgers, but falling on Friday and Sunday. And I mentioned I'm going to touch on the Thursday game because I didn't get to touch on the Thursday game, the series finale of the Cubs and Reds series. So real quick, we'll take a look at the positive side. As I mentioned, the Reds did finish off a series win against the Cubs. The pitching really, I mean, really, it was a whole team effort winning that series because the Reds scored plenty. It wasn't as if they just eked by on scoring one or two runs. They won 6-5 Wednesday and 4-2 on Thursday. But also the pitching came in when it needed to as well. Luis Castillo with another magnificent start. He did give up two runs that were unearned there in the first because of that crazy bounce at first base. One of the throw from Suarez that plated two runs for the Cubs, but that was the only two that they plated. And Castillo pitched well enough that he could have taken a much deeper uh, journey into the game. He only pitched five and a thirds because of a long rain delay as they delayed the game for over an hour and 50 minutes after the Reds got one out in the sixth inning. So you're not going to bring Castillo back out of the dugout after that long of a delay and not pitch. So it was a bullpen game from then on out, and the bullpen continued or, well, it wasn't a shutout, but the bullpen shut out the Cubs from that point on. Just a phenomenal showing 
on Thursday for them as they won 4-2. to two. And it really had you feeling good going into the Dodgers series. And you looked at the Dodgers and you said, they're coming in as the hottest team in the National League, but the Reds are on the up and up as well. Now, Friday's game didn't turn out so nicely as the Reds were shut out 6 to nothing. the second time that they've lost a 5-plus run differential. Then on Saturday, they got them back with a win, and Sunday, falling 8-3. to three. In fact, that now being the third, what baseball reference would term a blowout loss being five runs or more, their third blowout loss of the season, all three blowout losses have come at the hands of the Dodgers, and guess what? They don't play them again this season. So there's a little bit of positivity there, but as far as getting them back, uh, the only way they'd be able to get it back at them is if they played them in the playoffs, but we'll see if that happens. We're still ways away from that. The thing is, with what happened on Sunday, Sunday felt like a game that the Reds had an ability to win because they had runners on base. They were able to get guys on base early. In fact, Nick Senzel, the first two times he was up, had you know he got on base. He let off the game for the Reds, at least on the hitting side in the bottom of the first, with a single and was able to steal second after Joey's crazy check swing but was actually a foul and all that stuff. That that was an interesting turn of events because what happened was he checked his swing and it really didn't look like the ball touched his bat, but the home plate umpire said, no, it's a foul tip and the catcher caught it, so you're out. And Joey talked to him for a good couple of minutes there and the umpire did not throw him out. Yeah, they were saying on the radio, uh, Tommy Thrall was mentioning that when a player talks to an umpire for that long and doesn't get thrown out, that means the umpire knows he's wrong. And But be that as it may, he was still out on that play. And it ended up being the kind of a day where there weren't too many calls that were questionable. The very last pitch to Nick Senzel to end the game from... Uh, Garcia for the Dodgers it was a little bit outside and they called it strike three and into the game but I mean that's neither here nor there the Reds didn't score until the bottom of the ninth inning for the longest time it looked like it was going to be another shutout in which the Reds it would have been their eighth shutout eighth time they've been shut out this season which is just unbelievable because right now they're sitting now now it's five games under 500. If you take out the shutout losses, then they're over 500. I mean, there's so many of these little statistics that you can take bite-sized samples out of and you say, well, okay, if you, if you mess around the one-run losses and all the stuff, then they're over 500. If you fix the shutouts, they're over 500. Like, it's crazy how this team just continues to flirt with that 500 line. And then finishing this home standoff at 500 is just, there's just no better way to describe what the Reds are right now. They're just right there. They're right on the cusp of really getting some success in 2019. I feel like it's coming sooner rather than later. And they'll have this week to maybe kind of get a little bit of a catalyst going with that. And we'll talk about that here in just a moment. But first, I want to mention... And thank our sponsor, partly sponsoring this podcast today, is Hotels.com. Definitely check them out. I actually booked a vacation myself using Hotels.com. Great deals and really easy to use. Check out Hotels.com. You're listening to the Locked On Reds podcast on this Monday, brought to you in part by Hotels.com. 
The Reds finished their homestand last week 3-3. Three and three. And now they go into a week where it's kind of strange. They got two off days, an off day today and an off day on Thursday. And they're on the road at Milwaukee on Tuesday and Wednesday. And then at Chicago to play the Cubs this weekend starting on Friday. And so that's a five-game weekend. And it's been said, and, and I've noticed it most primarily, Chad Dotson mentioned it on Red Leg Nation, that... If the Reds, and this was a couple of weeks ago that he brought this out there, if the Reds go 6-5 and five over each 11-game stretch, you know, from here on out, if they average six wins and five losses when it comes to every 11 games, then they're going to finish the season at about 84-85 wins. There is a chance to do that this week. You only have to win three games of these five, and I think that's totally doable. If you win one against Milwaukee and win two against the Cubs and Wrigley, then you're right on pace there for the six and 11, or six wins in 11 games. And it's something that I can believe they can do, and maybe even take the two games in Milwaukee, which I don't know where they get these weird two-game series, especially with divisional opponents, but they take two games... uh, against the Brewers than just one in Wrigley. Something, you know, that's just a thought, just kind of spewing that out there. And then they go 6-5-11, and five and 11, and they're right on track. Tuesday's game features a pitching matchup of Sonny Gray versus Gio Gonzalez. Gio Gonzalez, after having been signed from the free agency, is or is 2-0 and with a 1.69 ERA. Sonny Gray still looking for his first win, which... You know, it's neither here nor there. It's just kind of one of those things you kind of have to shake your head at the bad luck that he's had. He is pitching to a 4.3 ERA, which isn't phenomenal, but I feel like he's had a little bit of tough luck over his last few starts. See if he can get right against Milwaukee, who's had some trouble with the Braves here as of late. We'll see if the Reds can build some momentum against the Brewers on the road. And then, like I mentioned, they have an off day Thursday. And they head to Chicago starting on Friday. Going to play the Cubs three straight games in which their start time is all 2.20 p.m. That's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. All games start at 2.20. You'll have Anthony DiSclefani on the mound on Friday. Tyler Malley pitching on Saturday. And then most likely we'll see today's starter, Tanner Rourke, pitching again on Sunday. So it's kind of funny how that all plays out in which... Disco, Malley, and Rourke all pitched Friday, Saturday, Sunday of this weekend. But with this road trip, it's more opportunity to see the Reds' talent. Because the talent rises to the top in the end. They've had a lot of tough luck here lately when it comes to one-run losses. And even, you know, you group two-run losses in there as well. That you just got to shake your head at it. It's not a pattern it's just bad luck I'm not gonna look at the one run losses and say that they're predictive of anything that's just how it works and when it comes to these close games every managerial decision is looked at through a microscope you look and you see okay well who did he bring in who was the first guy out of the bullpen who was the first guy to get pinch hit for all of this kind of stuff And it's easy to say, well, he shouldn't have done that because look what happened. He gave up a couple of base runners. Hindsight's always 20-20. When you're looking at the way that 
that David Bell has been managing, it's very obvious that David Bell is a thinking man's manager. He's able to remove himself from the equation and not do the whole gut feeling or, well, he said he feels all right, so I'm going to throw him out there. And he's been really good about not letting what so-and-so did in the fourth inning influence his decisions on how he's going to manage the fifth inning and, you know, fifth and sixth and so on and their fourth and whatever. When it comes to what he's doing, and, and everyone put under a microscope the fact that he pulled Tanner Rourke after five innings today. When Tanner Rourke looked strong, looked like he was going to pitch a while, and they even asked, which they should, the, you know, the, the journalists asked David Bell his thought process after the game as to why he pulled Tanner Rourke. And David Bell even agreed. He's like, look, I understand. I would have felt comfortable with him pitching the sixth. I have no problem with that, but I did it for offensive reasons. We needed to get something going. We needed to get some runs on the board. And guess what? He pinch hit Tanner Rourke with Phil Irvin and Phil Irvin hit a single. It's just that was the microcosm of the game on Sunday. They got base runners, and they didn't know what to do with them once they got them. No one scored until the ninth inning, obviously. And this just happened to be in the sixth inning. And then, of course, he supplemented that move by bringing in Zach Duke, who we all can pretty much agree we still don't know why he's getting all of these opportunities because he just keeps on squandering them today he faced three lefties and he walked two of them when you're a loogie and you come in and you walk the only guys you're supposed to pitch to like what are we doing here i get it they're paying him some kind of money or whatever but at this point it's almost a coin flip or worse whenever you bring zach duke out of the bullpen so that kind of makes the whole look of, well, he's he's going by matchups and, you know, lefty-lefty and all this other stuff, which he is. He's managing that objectively. He looks at the Dodgers lineup that is so heavy with left-handed batters that statistics show, analytics and all that stuff show that a pitcher is so much worse the third time through the order, and that's not even accounting for lefty-righty. We're talking about a situation where Rourke thrown right-handed is going to throw to a lot of left-handed batters, and he's going to throw to them for the third at bat, you know, each each batter's third at bat, probably gets figured out pretty quickly. So I definitely didn't have a problem with him pulling Rourke in that situation. Knowing that he needed to get some runs, it didn't pay off. But like I said, hindsight's twenty twenty. You go with the numbers, you go with your research, and I applaud him for not being the kind of manager that goes based on feel. There are a lot of play, you know, a lot of people on the wonderful Twitter.com that were talking about Dusty Baker and his propensity to manage to the player rather than to manage to the situation. And that's exactly what I'm getting at. Look, there's no knock, no knock on Dusty. Obviously, he was successful. But David Bell has a system. David Bell knows how he wants to go about managing a game. And that is what David Bell is going to do in that situation. He's going to take it objectively, and he's going to roll with the information that he has in front of him. He's not going to, you know, listen to the angel and the devil on his shoulder. Not that sort of thing. He's prepared. He's ready to go. And I respect that for him. It's just so far... A lot of what he's done, not a lot, it's probably 50-50, maybe even 60-40 as to what has worked and what hasn't worked. 
but it's just been under a microscope so much because of close games. And I know today wasn't close, but when he made that decision, it was a two-run ball game, and it was still very much up in the air as to how this was going to play out. And then, you know, Robert Stevenson blew up, gave up some runs. Before that, Wandy Peralta gave up two home runs, the first time in his career that he gave up two home runs in one game. So, yeah, you can look at it from a rewind perspective and say, shouldn't have done that, but that's not fair to him. He's not managing with hindsight. He's managing with predictive, you know, he's trying to predict what's going to happen. And I just think it's unfair to be like, well, he shouldn't have pulled him because, you know, Zach Duke comes in and gives up some base runners, whatever, whatever. Like, I, I like the way David Bell is managing, and I have not felt any sort of way that I know more than David Bell. That's just not me. Not going to happen that way. Anyway, that, that rants it for uh, the Monday edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. Tomorrow, we've got a special Locked On crossover. It's a Locked On Cincinnati crossover. I'm going to be talking with Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko of the Locked On Bengals podcast. So Locked On Cincinnati, get ready to check that out for the Tuesday edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you guys so much for downloading and listening, and thank you to our sponsor, Hotels.com. Go and check out that website for great rates on a hotel for your next vacation. Check us out on social media. Hit that subscribe button on your podcasting platform, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow with the Locked On Bengals podcast in tow. My name is Jeff Carr. This has been the Lockdown Reds Podcast.